Welcome back to Trading Matters, the podcast by OCBC Securities. In this show, we are focused on hunting down interesting market movements to help you become more opportunistic with your capital. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut, and as we record today's episode, Russia has begun its invasion of Ukraine. So the question is, how is this going to affect oil prices, wheat prices, future commod prices, markets, and all that jazz? And how will this then inform the Fed in its interest? rates policy. So today is going to be a super macro focused topic. Let's roll. Hey CK, yes, uh, I'm back in Singapore Like, uh, and a lot of things have been happening recently. <laughs> right? And uh, today we were supposed to talk about, you know, uh, how potential war is going to affect the markets, right? But uh, in a time of recording already tells us that there's a war, right? So, so yeah. what, is the, what is the situation now with Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, but the situation has been changing, rapidly evolving. So, you know, Reggie, just a few days ago, people were talking about, oh, okay, Russia's, you know, recognizing two separatist states in uh, eastern Ukraine. Uh, as of this morning, fresh off the press, uh, Russia has decided that they're going to move their troops in. They have started attacks on several Ukrainian cities. There have mm-hmm. been uh, reports of missiles and, and blasts and all sorts of uh, turmoil right now in Ukraine. Uh, right now, we are really just waiting for what Biden and what the European uh, allies, Germany, France, what they will do uh, when it comes to this entire situation and what they are going to do in support of Ukraine or in support of uh, what, whatever else they have on their minds right now. Yeah. It is, this one is a bit hard to predict, right? I think complexity is there when it comes to politics. It's not a slippery slope. Doesn't mean like fight means keep fighting, right? So there's a lot of complexity complexity in this space. But we already see the markets reacting, right? Even last night, you know, all the way to today, right? So the, the increase in risk is increasingly felt, right? So oil prices move and all these. Uh, and I've asked many people, right? Everybody say, oh, you know, uh, uh, gold prices are going to move, oil prices are going to move. Uh, and I want to hear your view, your perspective of like, why is this conflict or war, right? The, the outright war going to affect these prices? For those of you who are aware, uh, Russia is a huge exporter of energy, right? So in terms of natural gas, in terms of oil, we have definitely seen a spike in some of those prices as well. Uh, even before the US has opened today, uh, the markets have already moved. So we are looking at oil above $100 right now. Beyond that also, uh, we are looking at some other commodities. So, you know, there's a saying that Ukraine and the entire region is actually known as the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, so mm. they not just focus on oil or energy products as well, but both Russia and Ukraine, they have exposure to wheat. They have exposure to some of the other grains out there. So a lot of the commodity markets are moving right now. So yeah, definitely, I would say not just predicting or or, or looking at how they will move, but how they are already moving. The markets have already started to move, Reggie, yeah. So as as traders, as retail traders uh, or investors ourselves, right, like, how how would you play this thing? Or how, how, how should we look at this situation? Because prices already moved, um, but the situation is very rapidly evolving, you know, con- contestation and tension situation. But a lot of these things are still very in the predictive stage, right? Like, oh, will it affect supply chain? Will there be sanctions? And all that is still a little bit on the question mark. So how should I then observe these things, you know, as a retail investor to look at this situation? The fact is, if the US is going to sanction or is if uh, the European Union decides to to make some big steps on sanctions or actions on Russia, then that's going to have an impact on the entire global markets. Uh, Russia is the 11th biggest 
economy in the world. And that's going to be huge if they decide to sanction them very harshly. As, as recently as tonight, you know, when uh, Biden announces his sanctions, what kind of sanctions will they be? That is going to be the first thing to look out for, I would say. Uh, next, of course, would be if there's any escalation or de-escalation like what you mentioned. And escalation, even more sanctions or sanctions on essential areas such as energy, that would definitely be a headwind to the stock market, to some of the fears out there that, you know, inflation is going to spike as well. Uh, and that could be a drag on growth for some of these areas. So, so definitely look for any escalation, de-escalation, and key areas such as energy. Yeah, yeah a lot of growth companies already not growing uh, recently. <laughs> so a, lot, a lot of struggles already. But, but by extension, you talk a little bit about inflation, which is the ongoing discussion for a few months, right? But it seems like this situation is going to make it even more complicated because it's very politicized and... Uh, it feels like this is becoming a problem for the Fed also, at least indirectly. Like, How should we look at the whole inflation thing? Is this war going to change their plans? Well, I think the uh, problem for the Fed is that now things have become even more complicated. You know, first they're dealing with an inflation problem. <laughs> Not even anything to do with Ukraine or Russia, they're dealing with an inflation problem. Now things have gotten a lot more complicated as a result of that. And I mean, even worse maybe is uh, the problem that now the European Central Bank will face because they are the ones that would be directly at the forefront of any potential spike in energy prices uh, that are a core component of inflation as well. So like what you mentioned, you know, we, we have been talking about this topic of inflation for very, very long. You know, We've been talking about it for the past three podcasts. And every time there seems to be a new development, and this time it looks like the Fed's job has just gotten a lot more difficult, I would say. Mm -hmm. If they hike, it's not like they are able to supply the market with more oil, you know. So mm -hmm. that could be something that they'll need to reconsider. At the same time, they cannot ignore the fact that higher energy prices tend to result in higher inflation. And they can't just sit on their hands and not do anything. For those of you who might not be aware, the Fed actually in the US has two mandates. Uh, one is going to be tackling inflation and the other is actually to tackle unemployment. So they don't have a mandate to keep the stock market up or they don't have a mandate to keep the economy <laughs> roaring, you know. Uh, that's a common misconception, yeah. I mean, definitely if your economy is good, your, your unemployment is going to be low. That's an mm. indirect way for them to deal with things, but... The two mm. mandates that they really have is inflation and unemployment. So every time numbers come out for those two, uh, it's going to be very important for the Fed. And mm. another thing that people might not realize is that for the US Fed, actually, uh, everybody looks at CPI as a measure, uh, as a measure of inflation. Uh, but the US Fed actually prefers this measure called PCE. Yeah, so uh, that is where, you know, that's going to be interesting because uh, CPI numbers have already come out. Uh, definitely, they are related, but the, the PCE number is the one that we are looking for at 25th of February. That would really be the one that tells the Fed, you know, we got to move or we got to do something. Or otherwise, maybe now could be a time for them to say, oh, you know, if uh, the Russia and Ukraine thing keeps going on, maybe that's something we want to recalculate and reconsider for our rate hikes. So uh, I would say, yes, 25th Feb, very important date because of the PCE number. And subsequently on the 10th of March, the CPI number for Feb, that's going to be the last kind of inflation print that they get before their meeting. So those mm. two dates are going to be very important before the 16th of March. Recently, there's a lot of talk about flight to quality. 
right? Trying to go for quality, you know, instead of a lot of this fast growth, which is a lot of future value, right? People are pricing in future value. So help us understand this discussion out there about a flight to quality. Like what does, what does it mean as an investor and, and all that? Well, I mean, actually, if we look at the term quality, it's such a catch-all phrase, right? Yeah. So maybe we can break it down. Uh, looking at quality, what are some of the investment banks? What are some of the asset managers looking at when they say quality, right? They're actually looking at, for example, how easily a company is able to fulfill its debt obligations, how much money it owes. Is it generating cash at all? Or what kind of uh, debt structure the company has? So, so when we're looking at something like a flight to quality, actually, if we can break it down, we're looking at uh, companies with predictable earnings. We're looking at companies that have a little bit more stability, a little bit more predictability, a little bit stronger in terms of their balance sheets. So less debt and more cash flows. One aspect to consider, I would say, I mean, mm. we look at it in terms of broad categories of growth versus quality, right? Uh, but not all quality companies are means financials, for example. Mm. So you can look at some of the US big tech firms, for example. They are considered as technology firms, but they have a lot of cash flows that they are generating right now. It's not just about future cash flows. So the problem with growth stocks is in hiking interest rates, all these expectations of future cash flows, they're going to be discounted. That's how Wall Street does its valuation a lot of the time. Uh, but if you're looking at companies with current cash flows, then that's going to be a different way uh, that is going to be impacted by interest rate hikes as well. Yes, I think this is extremely important. Right? Recognizing what is quality and not just like big sectorial differences. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's where we are hearing more and more discussion that big tech is actually a defensive play, right? Like uh, they, they have very, very big cash flows coming in. Yeah, the cash machine churning things out. Uh, compared to a lot of these smaller tech companies, you know, that where people are pricing for future realities, right? So in 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 this narrative of trying to look for quality and trying to look at cash, you know, companies that can generate cash, um, what what are some ideas here that we should then grapple with, you know, especially the idea of cash, right? Because Dalio has been going around for a few years, right, saying cash is trash, right? So then 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 what what is the situation now with cash and and all the different the broader market situations? I think it's so interesting because, you know, on one hand, you have people saying cash is trash. Yeah. On the other hand, you have people saying cash is king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the whole idea of a cash is, is really because cash is something that, you know, companies can then use for whatever they want to, you know, whether it's investment, whether it's uh, to, to do M&A, to do anything like that. So cash is something that it really depends on what the companies are going to use it for. Uh, but mm-hmm. like I mentioned, you know, Companies that generate current cash flows right now, like the big techs, like uh, some of the mega caps out there, uh, that's definitely going to be in a different category from companies that might have huge market cap, but a lot of expectations on them. So that's why we have seen a lot of the more speculative areas in the market really come down very hard because these companies, when they take on a lot of debt, interest rates go up, their cost of servicing this debt is going to skyrocket as well. Uh, whereas the companies that are generating cash right now, that's uh, something that they are able to deal with when it comes to rising debt costs as well. So I think uh, just to kind of put a finger on what quality means, we can look at also things like your debt levels and being able to to have a liquidity measure or a measure of how you're able to, to service that debt. Uh, that could be one of the metrics to look at as well. 
And, and we see the VIX coming up, right? So uh, it's been a while. The VIX has been dampened for a long period of time and uh, specifically interested in the VIX because, uh, you know, there's a lot of options activity, you know, that will that will then translate, you know, to the VIX, like based on the VIX, right? So can, can you help us understand like retail investors, how should we look at the VIX? Try to give us some clarity on this. Yeah, so I mean, the VIX is, uh, if you can think of it, it's, kind of uh, using options, the market has actually calculated using options, kind of the fear and the greed factor uh, within the market. So uh, it's how much people are willing to pay in terms of a premium to, to hedge themselves. So when the VIX is spiking like it is right now, there's a lot of fear in the market because people want to protect themselves. Uh, and we have seen the VIX actually hit record highs back in 2020 during the crash, right? Uh, during the market yes. sell down in March 2020. So generally, the VIX can be used as a very effective indicator, I would say. Uh, it's an indicator mm-hmm. of market sentiment. And mm-hmm. normally, you will see during periods of calm, the VIX comes down a lot. It's a measure of volatility. Uh, and after it might suddenly spike up when we have an event like this where Russia suddenly comes in and everyone's you know, trying to, to hedge their positions or, or to, to, to price in uh, this new event that's happening. Yeah, so I would say for a retail investor, someone like you and me, when we look at the VIX, just use it as an indicator of how much fear there is in the market. And uh, if the VIX spikes, you know, okay, the market is very fearful right now. Uh, if VIX comes down, it means the market is getting a little bit more calm. Fair, fair. But I say uh, you're not a retail investor. You don't anyhow join us. Uh. We are the retail investor. You're the analyst. Okay, so... But yes, thanks for, you know, being on the same boat with us. Uh, and I think today we cover a lot of stuff, right? And uh, as we as this whole situation keeps unraveling, we will keep um, discussing and at the same time discuss uh, other companies that are in our purview, right? So in closing, are there any other things that you feel uh, are interesting for our audience to know in terms of market movements and what is going on out there currently? Just one fun fact I could say, uh, maybe to before we end off this podcast as well. It's pretty interesting that when we are looking at all the different areas of the market, there's one area right now that got a little bit of press or publicity. Uh, that is actually people who trade rates. So rates traders actually are now pricing in a rate cut in 2024. And you think about it, the Fed hasn't even started hiking, but they're already pricing in a rate cut in 2024 because of these potential growth headwinds, you could say, to the economy. So very, very interesting area of the market to watch right now when it comes to rates, when it comes to the Fed. Yeah, yeah let's keep observing. I think another interesting um, op- interesting to think about and interesting thing to observe is the midstream oil space, right? Remember the futures, the, the futures crash? Just, I think, was it 2021 or, you know, 2022, you know? So that was a very, very horrible crash in the, in the oil market, right? And one of the biggest reasons was there was no more midstream capacity. So that is something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, you know, in, in the space yet. Everybody say, oh, you know, this tension is going to cause oil prices to move. But do we really, uh, is, is it really moving based on supply? or is it moving based on speculation you know or do we have a lot of capacity still left in the midstream I think that's something to to think about so yeah thank you CK um, I'm back in Singapore let's hang and for all of you listening thank you for tuning in with us once again we'll see you next week thank you Reggie Hey, thank you for tuning in weekly with us at Trading Matters, a podcast by OCBC Securities. If you want to be even faster in following latest market insights done by the team at OCBC Securities, you should visit iocbc.com slash tradingmatters for market insights on Singapore, China, Hong Kong and the US and a lot of the stuff that we couldn't cover on the show today. 
This show is jointly produced by the team at The Financial Coconut and OCBC Securities. We hope you become a more astute trader following our weekly show. And we want to hear from you. Join our ecosystem, events, and all that stuff. Details in the description below. I will see you next week. Also, contents of this podcast are intended for general information only and should not be construed as recommendation or solicitation to invest in any financial products. All investments are subjected to risk. Before investing, you should conduct your own self-assessment and seek independent financial advice. For the full disclaimer, check out iocbc.com slash trading matters. Also, like, share, subscribe. Huh? Like, share, subscribe. See you next week.